This is In Blue, a reptile podcast where we talk to some of your favorite reptile keepers, hoping to find out what they just can't live without. We want to bring you closer to some amazing people sharing their stories and experiences about life and the animals they love. Join us as we go deep in blue to shed what we know and gain a fresh new perspective about reptiles and their keepers. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Heidi. Welcome to In Blue, a reptile podcast. Today, we are going to be joined by Ryan and Erica McVeigh. Hey, Hi, Ryan. Hi, Erica. Hi. Hi. You guys want to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Go ahead, honey. No, you, you have start. It. Come on. So I'm a certified veterinary technician that specializes in exotic animals. And what? I can start with that. I'm just listening. Yes. <laughs> that's what I've in exotic animals for over a decade and a half. Um, that's where my passion is. And I now the mom to three, soon to be four, once the adoption papers. Oh, it is four now. Yeah, it's four. Not on paper. Four. But yeah, yeah so, and we have our friend cheese with us. Go ahead, honey. I know you have, just go through your gambit. I don't, there's so much. I just like reptiles, and I started some club once, and then I ran a big company, and then I started my own, and then I play with some reptiles. <laughs> Sounds like our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, no. I've been in the reptile industry for a long time, and been passionate about it, and yeah, just enjoy the hobby and the industry and everybody in it, and that's kind of everything we do. And then dad, dad to a herd of children, and yeah, it's dogs and other people and yeah. Awesome. So um, you you started a company. What, yeah. What's your company? Tell us a little so, bit about it. Uh, me and Erica founded VivTech um, and it's VivTech. It's product. It's not. It is. The company is called VivTech and the website is VivTech products because VivTech wasn't available. And now my <laughs> wife can't remember that the company is still VivTech, not the website. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, before we uh, founded VivTech, I uh, was a, br a marketing brand manager and ran the Zillow Reptile products for Central Garden Pets, so all the Zillow products. Um, and after six years of being there, kind of had seen a lot of, I've had a lot of different opportunities in my life to see really cool aspects of the hobby from uh, the manufacturers to the breeders to the mass wholesalers, importers, exporters, down to Timmy and his one leopard gecko. Like, so every single aspect of it. And through seeing a lot of that, we found that there was kind of a big, missing niche in the reptile community in in terms of husbandry products that are allowing us to elevate our husbandry um so we kind of decided that uh maybe instead of running a giant corporations company we should start our own and do something different wonderful and so what what products do you guys do the so, best <laughs> yeah. yes they are <laughs> so the first thing we launched was uh we the first thing we did was uh the led our sure sun led uv bulbs so it's uva uvb 6500k plant lights they last uh, upwards of four four and a half years um and they only three watts of energy so it's pretty cool to be able to have launched like the first led bulbs into the market for uva yeah it's a good hammer yeah and they're strong enough to hammer a nail and do a board and you can see that on our instagram i think yep. and uh, water yeah and they're water resistant and they last forever and they're 
pretty awesome. So um, a lot of cool, you can definitely find an enormous amount of podcasts and other shows and YouTube's videos of many people, if anyone's interested in all of the stuff that the LED bulbs do. Awesome. That is awesome. Cause I know I already love the light. Uh, I got one for a bearded dragon that um, I rescued. I told Ryan this story at NARBC Arlington. It, it, she's been completely different since changing that. And I love what it's done for her. So it made me really excited. And I can't wait to have them on everything. Yeah. That's and phenomenal. It, that's what's super cool. And I love that you said it so that I didn't have to say it first because I tell everybody that like, hey, this is going to change how your animal acts. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, like, you know, day, night cycle. No, no, no. You're basically going to give it a light that it's never had before unless it lives outside, and it's going to fire up serotonin in their brains and change literally their the way that they feel and act. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, She's a completely different dragon now. Yeah, and it's and it's all in positive ways. Like, they're more active, and they're more alert, mm -hmm. and their color is better, and their sheds get better, and their musculature gets more defined. And, like, mm -hmm. I, I relate it to a lot of people of, like, look at a buddy of yours that's – or a friend of yours that's depressed – like that just sits around that doesn't want to go do anything that like is more lethargic. Like you shouldn't have to like Amazon tree boas shouldn't be lethargic. You shouldn't have to wake it up to eat. It should want you to die when you get within a hundred feet of it. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it should do. <laughs> that's what they should do. Like in the wild, they see you from the top of the tree and they're like, I hate you. And if you get in within a hundred feet, I'm striking. Like even though <laughs> I get to them, but, but um, in captivity, they just sit in little balls and don't move. But it's because they need that mental stimulation. And you start to see when I relate it to like, Hey, it's, you're looking at a person who's depressed and, and doesn't want to leave their house and doesn't want to go outside and doesn't want to do anything. It's just eating. And usually they're unhealthy and they don't, you know, their, their body's not healthy. Their skin's not healthy. And you, you can compare that to somebody who's not depressed and is happy and outgoing. And, and then when you look at the animal under the light versus before you can make really, really close um, uh, correlations between those things. And it's not, it's not depression. Like, sadness but think about how when you're in a depressive funk how you just don't feel normal you don't want to go outside you may not be sad and crying you may just be kind of eh, but you don't want to do things and that's how they, that's how they feel without access to that those wavelengths that's yeah. really cool so they so they have a lot of this technology in so we have saltwater aquariums but they they have a lot of this technology in the aquatic industry right like yeah. I, they've had LED, you know, UV lights for aquatics forever, for years. So it's really cool to see that like translate into the reptile industry. So how did you, how did, did you guys design the lights? Like, are so, you doing the design? So when yes. it, yes and no. So when it comes <laughs> to starting up and to leaving uh, a giant company and cashing in my 401k to start something ourselves, um, and we've done this completely no without any investors or taking any money from anything else. It's just us. So um, we wanted to start it slow. And to just to, for example, if we were going to make, let's see here, here, this remote, this remote control, it, you would need a mold in order to make the two plastic components of it. Yeah. That mold alone is going to be $10,000 just for the mold to make the plastic pieces. So if we were to design it from scratch, there would be tens of thousands of dollars of, of development costs, literally just for the modes and the molds and components. So what I did is I went out and I, re I reached out to a ton of different manufacturers that had UV LED lights, ordered a bunch of samples, oh, tested oh all, a lot of them are not <laughs> okay and will kill your animal. 
Um, so a lot of the bad stuff that's out there, the LED is so bad. It's not all of them. It's ones that there are bad ones out there, though. Yeah. Um, so we tested a bunch of them, found a company that we really liked the quality of the product they made. It wasn't UV, it wasn't doing what we wanted it to do, but they had the ability to do it. And we're willing to do it. And we're willing to work with us. So we worked with them and started hatch, going back and forth and sending samples and tweaking things and getting the wavelengths where we wanted them as best we could. Um, and then, yeah, and then launched. So, um, but yeah, no, it's just, that's what we do. And then it's, it's finding things that already exist out there and trying to convert them in a way to um, utilize them for us in our industry. And it's like you said, this stuff exists out there in aquatics there forever like the reason that it hasn't moved to reptile as much is one big reason um in general reptile people are the cheapest macgyvers <laughs> on <laughs> like aquatics people will spend money all day long and reptile people are like can i get it for five bucks yep they'll yeah. buy a ten thousand dollar snake and then be like I mean, does it need heat or can I just like blow torch some water bottles and put them in there? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I, like, I, it's I see insane. that all the time. Yep. So, but with aquatics, they spend $10,000 on the setup and that's why they're more, uh, they're more in. And then put a $3 fish. Yeah. And then put a damsel in it or a $50 lion fish <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> yep. I would love to see the aquatic industry and how that works be how the reptile hobby was looked at. Like, I don't mean to. I want to see the kid that turns his closet and plants a tree into it and turns it into a giant annoying. Yep, me too. That's that's the kid that we should all have a YouTube channel of and just watch what he does. Oh Lord, I'm not letting my kid listen to this episode because I feel like that's something he would do. <laughs> you know, you turn into enclosures. Come on, kids, get all the dirt from your backyard and fill up your closet. But you know what's crazy is like watch watch. This is what's funny to me. So when we start out catching our reptiles, like was he goes and catches something, they get some container that you guys give him or something, and he picks up some dirt and sticks it in the bottom, and then he gets leaves and stuff from around where he found it, puts that in there, and puts some stick that he found next to where he caught it, mm -hmm. makes a little habitat, right? Yep. Basing it based on exactly where he just picked it up and exactly how it looks around there and utilizing that stuff. And then we, as experts, go, that's stupid. Use this sterilized dirt that's ground up cocoa shells from a different continent and put this light bulb on it that has nothing to do with anything. And don't give it sunlight and put it in a drawer. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what we do. Exactly. I'm just saying, like, it's just, it hit me a couple months ago. I was, like, talking to the kids, and I'm like, oh, my God. As we get older and we get smarter about the husbandry and stuff, we, no, no, we just start going, oh, we can do this cheaper and easier and cheaper and cheaper and easier and cheaper until the point <laughs> where, like, it's in a drawer on a paper towel. And then there's our two eight-year-old daughters who took two of our dubia roaches and made them, like, a Barbie house. So they were living in the Barbie <laughs> house, and they tucked them into the little Barbie bed. I'm like, if those two get out, I swear to God. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they did come to eat dinner later, and then we were like, "You put the roaches back, right?" And they're like, "No, they're in their house, right?" And I'm not. And by the way, I'm not dumping on racks and stuff like that either. Like they totally have a place, and I get it, and whatever. So I don't want to sound like I'm like. Oh no! It's more so like how we think of the animals. It's no, just funny, like as kids, you know. Jumping on how people treat children and people coming into the hobby where they want to overdo it. Yeah. Or they mm -hmm. want to offer ball python six feet, and they're like, "No, it only needs like this much." My I'm sorry. Can we swear? Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. I wish it does. It only it can use that whole stop it. It can use the full six feet and it can use like four feet up and in, like enjoy itself. It might not use it right away because it's not gonna understand what just happened. 
and it also is going to need to build up those muscles again so that it can climb on those branches because that's a big part of it too is they need to re-muscle themselves essentially Mm -hmm. but we should really be supporting everybody that comes in and saying no you want that crazy idea go for it build the six foot enclosure for that whatever works right i was like if that works for you yeah as long as it has the gradients where it can go to multiple areas to be warm Right. It's good. Yep. So you guys have children. You want to tell us about your kids? We we have four. Yeah. Um, we have three daughters and uh soon to be son. So we're adopting our nephew. And they are they're, they're the twins lot. are eight. So one of them is Loki incarnate, like just <laughs> <laughs> That would be at least. Yep, because she can be, and she's also like super androgynous. She's like she's eight, you know. So she, and she's a little kind of like a little tomboy, yeah. you know, and likes to dress like a boy. And they shaved a mohawk into her head and stuff. And I just, I'm like, you be you. You'll figure it out later. But she, she's also the Loki energy. Also comes from like that. She's a smart little turd, and she's very. She's good at. Uh... She yeah. she's very Loki. So yeah, so she like she uses the fact that the school because of the culture and the way things are in society, nobody wants to assume a gender or anything like that. Yeah. So she uses that against her teachers to get what she wants. Because she figured it out. They're like, okay, all the boys line up. Boogie lines up. They're like, they're not going to okay. say anything because they feel like they can't. Because is like her brother. So you you're like you're like okay, and then they're like, all right, all girls line up like on a different day, and then she'll line up, and they're just like. Yeah. Oh, she's an equal opportunity to get what she wants. And yeah. if all the girls are in the bathroom, she'll go into the boys' bathroom. And then we actually had to stop that one. We're like, okay, you can't do that. But no, she's um, big Loki energy. And then Lily is our just our sweetest, most empathetic child. That is, if they're she sat there and she's the one that will cuddle the cockroach and tell it how pretty it is and like how much she loves it and then she'll like put it back in his cage she'll be like okay go play with your friends but then she'll also like you know sucker punch her sister the first chance she gets so it's yeah and then she kicked her door off the hit she's also the other eight-year-old twin kicked her door off the hinge the other day because she was angry and that's kid at school so like edit that out for the love of god <laughs> Some boy, hey, I was proud of her. Some boy was picking on her and his little girl. <laughs> so she swung a pencil at him and he decided not to move because he was a strong guy and he got stabbed. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But yeah, that's Lily. She, but at the same time, she'll also like, when you go out the door, she'll be like, do you have a coat? You might get a chill. Yeah. And it's like 80 degrees outside. <laughs> yep. yep. And wait till those two are teenagers. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to a cabin in the woods somewhere. And <laughs> I called in. Yeah, no. <laughs> Moving to Canada. Well, we have a ten-year-old uh, Naomi, so Ooh, we're going to have as anti-reptile. Yeah, she's not. Well, she's not big into the reptiles, but she has her whole room is a uh, uh, succulents. She loves succulents, so oh, um, my we keep them alive. Yeah. She has forty. Something more than that, I think. It's wow. ridiculous. Well, she's also got plants around the house too. So yeah. And um, this is her arch nemesis because she has a black thumb. And if she look, if she if she brushes a leaf, that plant will die. It's true. It's going to die, I and it's going to die soon. I liquidated a jade plant, and I don't even know how I did that. But yeah. like, I was like, oh, it's so pretty, and then like I touched it at one point, and then like the next day, or it's like two days later, it was like. 
squishy in she the can center. Kill pothos. <laughs> That's all you need to know is that Erica can kill pothos. I have. I killed. Oh wow! Bamboo. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, lucky yeah. bamboo, pothos, cactus. Like here. Oh, I did kill Here's the cactus. a cactus. Well, I watered it this year. Don't water it again until ne actually don't ever touch it. And she watered it and killed it. I have to plant them somewhere in Texas. I have to plant them outside because if I put a try to like have an, a plant in the house and try to keep it alive, forget it. I kill air plants and succulents. And I was like, how do you keep air plants alive? Like I tried so hard to keep these okay. air plants alive. I could not. I was like, I give up. Because I thought they would be cool in um, my lychee cages. If this woman ever comes to your house. Don't Hide show her your anything green. Anything. <laughs> I don't have anything green so, in line. You're more than welcome. <laughs> there you go. If you have like a room full with rocks, that's her jam. That's her. Not because she likes rocks, but because she can't kill them. She can't kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, you know. So, do you guys keep reptiles? We do. We <laughs> Is <that> do. A trap? <laughs> what kind of reptiles? So, we uh, actually, we have the smallest collection of animals I've had since in probably over a decade, but um, it's a lot more refined to what we keep. So um, over the years, and I tell everybody this, I think everybody gets into this, the, the hobby and you get all excited and you find a couple things you like and you want to breed. And then if you're like me and you have reptile ADD, every pair of something you've never played with, you have to buy. And then eventually you get to a point where I had like so many different species from different habitats all in the same rack. And it just, I wasn't utilizing all the stuff the best. Everybody had their conditions met but not optimum. So I wasn't getting as much production and I wasn't, it just became a job and it wasn't fun anymore. And I got to a point where I said, you know what, if everything I owned was worthless and it was worth no money, there's no monetary value. And I just kept what I liked and gave away the babies. What would I keep? And that we went through the collection and completely cleaned it out and switched it around. And so now we are mostly focused on Indonesia and South Pacific animals. Yeah. Mostly, not totally. We still have like I have dart frogs and I have we have lychees and we have another stuff. But oh, the main stuff boa. I, that's from Indonesia. Um, see, it still works. South Pacific, <laughs> still in the range. It's whatever. All of my Amazon tree boas. That's your project, not mine. Um, so you your picked South America. Boas? That's Justine's project. No, <laughs> all other people's stuff that I'm just holding on to focused on two monitor species. We keep uh, peacock monitors mm -hmm. and uh, spiny neck mangrove monitors. So I think as uh, for the peacock monitors, I think we might have the largest collection in the United States. We kind of have, we realized that they weren't going to be coming in anymore from, uh, and I think we have over 20. No more than that. Yeah, well, that's why I said over 20. I know nothing about 90% of what you just said, but it's cool. It always interests me because I like I didn't grow up and we, we were talking about this before, but I um I didn't grow up with reptiles. So like ball pythons was really where I started. And so I, it's, I always find it fascinating. I'm like, how do you guys keep up with all of this other random stuff? And then somebody was like, well, how do you keep up with all the ball python morphs? And I was like, point taken. So let's switch gears. What do you guys like to do for fun? Um, you know what? I wish I had more, as many hobbies as I would like to have, but time is, you know, of the essence, but we, we, we get to spend a lot of time, uh, while we traveling, while we travel, trying to get out herping. I herp a lot while I travel and then no, she complains how she doesn't get to come with. Well, no, but I was going to say you're nice making. I was getting to that. And then I also, uh, back in September, Eric signed me up for a knife making class. So it's something I've been kind of, I have friends that do it and 
with an engineering background and I was big into art and sculptures and things like that. So it kind of with engineering and chemistry and working with my hands and art, it kind of all filled those things. Um, so yeah, so I started doing that and I really enjoyed it. But, That's uh, super awesome. It's like, really yeah, neat. I really just need to get a shed. <laughs> I have to go into downtown Chicago. It's an hour drive down there to get, to go to the class. Um, and it's, it's not really, it's like a, it's an old building that they use this back chunk of um it's old industrial building so like when it rains like water's pouring out of the ceiling everywhere and <laughs> but it's it just it just needs to hold crap that's dirty and gets hot so it does a great job at that yeah i was gonna um, ask you if you're uh, forging them or yeah so we uh i actually i just got a big one inch bar of w1 steel today and so i guess yeah i bought i bought a big bar of steel because i keep forgetting to do it um so yeah so i'm hoping to make a couple knives out of that i made eric a knife and at least our Loki kid, I made her a knife because that sounds like a good idea. It's dull. It's, it's not sharp, sharp. <laughs> and it's like a tiny little one inch curve on a blade. It's like a half, it's like a quarter of a circle at the end yeah, of a piece of metal. Knife. Yeah, but yeah, no, so knife making has been a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to this year get a shed in back where I can actually get a forge here so I can have more chances to just go out, work for an hour, two hours, and then come back in versus going downtown once a week as a two hour round trip. So not even including the class. Give me a lot more time to get through it. So. Yeah. And what about you, Erica? Um, I actually I love going herping with Anne. Um, uh, <laughs> but no, we herp in two different ways. We learned uh, he is one of those that will sit in like one freaking little area forever, like lift this and lift this and lift this and lift this, lift this, and then like if it's not in an ideal habitat for him, he'll just like march on. And I'm like, ooh, let's look at this tree. <gasps> ooh, let's look at this bird. Ooh, let's look over here. And so we've learned that we're a little bit two different sides of herping. No, no, no. I go herping. That's looking intentionally for reptiles. I go wildlife. Yeah. She wants to stop and see literally everything. And that's awesome. And I love that she does that. It's just not as awesome when, like, I'm a mile ahead of her and I lost her. It totally sounds like when Jack and I go fishing because Jack goes fishing to go fishing and I go fishing so I can sit in the boat. <laughs> I love it. Like I absolutely, like I want to go with him every time, the whole time, like I'll go spend hours and hours and hours on the lake. And, um, but I don't care if I catch fish. And he like, for the longest time, he was like, do you feel bad? Like you're not catching fish. And I was like, I don't care at all. And he goes, why do you go fishing? I'm like, ah, I'm just throwing stuff in the water. I'm good. I feel like I'm just going boating. That's yeah. all I really want to do. Because that's I mean, all I, I like want to do. Fish. I'll sit there and throw a, throw a line in the water for hours. I just, I don't care if I actually catch anything or not. I'm just enjoying the action of actually being out there on the water and fishing. So mine's laying out and absorbing the sun. I don't want to fish. I don't even like fish. I love to herp though. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't like sitting on boats. I love it, and I've got. Oh. Love it. Like three fishing trips planned this year, so. Because he also fishes. I do also me. fish. Yeah. But I also do um, artwork. I do like illustrations, and um, I'm an avid reader. Yeah. So illustrations, you everybody can follow the bubbly wombat. I haven't updated that forever. So but put artwork on there. And there's a bunch of stickers you can order. That do you have an Etsy store? No. Okay, but you can bugger about all the stickers she has because they all do still exist, even though they may not have been updated. Yeah, since we started BivTech, that took a back seat so that we could get. Yeah. Because I designed um, the first launching of our brand and then the SureSun um, packaging. Packaging, and so 
like that took a back seat and I've been trying to eke into it again. Yep, there's another fact about Erica. She has had 14 concussions. Holy crap. Say that again? 14 concussions. Oh, good night. What did you do? That was my she, next question. I don't remember some of them. Shit. <laughs> I told her one year oh, I was going to get her a helmet, and she was like, that's messed up. I don't do it on purpose. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not getting you a helmet because I feel that you're doing this. The, the universe has it out for your skull. And I just want to protect it because there's tons. Wow. Let's see, what was the the one? Oh, I was up when we were building the the garage into the reptile room or facility. I was up on a ladder in the attic, oh, and the God. ground was a had a little bit of condensation on it, so the ladder slipped out from underneath me, came down, hit her in the head, knocked her oh. out, and I fell out of the attic and on uh, hit my head on the freezer and then hit the concrete. Yeah, there's a dent in our freezer. Sorry. Oh my gosh! Y'all. People can go on ladders. <laughs> if Sean Bradley and Tal Hicks and everybody else has taught us anything, yeah, oh yeah, I don't, gosh. I don't do ladders. I don't do, yeah. especially not in attics. Like, because I've no. done that. I've fallen out of my attic twice. I climb ladders all the time. I have never mm -hmm. fallen out of an attic. No, no. Yeah. yeah, that was super fun. As I like took a step up to get into the attic, and then everything went down and me. <laughs> Yep, and there's a big dent there, and then like I'm trying to get up and like find out if he's okay, but I couldn't see out of one eye, and I'm like trying to make sure he's not broken, and I'm yelling at him, "Don't move! Your neck might be broken, your back might be broken." <laughs> so I'm like trying to see if he can feel different things, like I'm like poking his legs and stuff, and he's like, "I can," and I'm like, "Okay," and I'm like just sobbing because my head hurts so bad, and then the kids walked in the room, they're like, "So where are you guys from?" So I lived my entire life in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin has a lovely rival with Illinois. And, now you're a and, things like that. and I got, and then I, I moved down to the, ugh, into this state I have to live in because she lives, lived here. And so now I'm in, now I'm in a ugh, native Illinois human person. <laughs> Whatever. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm a, it's kind of like when a, when a hawk grabs a fish and then drops it in a different lake and it doesn't really belong there, but it, but it just has to be because it doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Yep. Really? Yep. Dramatic. <laughs> I went, I went from one of three states in the United States with no exotic laws to one with the strictest exotic laws by 20 miles. I'd really like to go back the 20 miles back the <laughs> other way. But I'm actually from Illinois, born and bred. So I live, 20 minutes from the border and drop a llama over here came and moved down. <laughs> yeah, and then anytime, like when you guys, when you guys, obviously when all the guys pay to bring you guys up to Tinley and have a vacation up here for a couple days, take a couple, like an extra day at the end. And we're 45 minutes from Tinley park. So you guys come up and we'll go do some. Awesome. So how long have you guys been together? So, Together, I don't know. I know I'm the woman. It's fine. Um, we <laughs> we started officially dating. I want to say in 2017, the okay. beginning of 2017. But uh, I've known Erica for a really long time, so we met in 2012. How do you know this? Because I have I don't have ADHD memory. I have a normal memory. Mm -hmm. Um. So we met in 2012 at a, a local reptile show. I was running the Herb Society table, the Madison Herb Society, um, and she was working uh, uh, with her veterinary clinic as well as Friends of Scales Reptile Rescue that she ran. Uh, um, and we ended up being across the aisle from each other. 
Um, and my guys and all of us, we were, you know, shooting rubber bands and stuff back at them. And they were, they were shooting them at us and we were shooting it. Yeah. There was nothing to do. Me and her weren't flirting because I had, I was dating somebody at the time. Um, that I was, I think we were engaged already. Um, and I just gotten engaged to somebody and, but I kind of still, I I was flirting. She was okay. I kind of still had that crush. I was like, hey, she's really cute and awesome. And we ended up hanging out with all her people. We all became really good friends and hung out at a lot of shows and, you know, traveled together and stuff like that. And then, but I was married to that that person I was engaged to, and that went south horrifically. Um, and, and then in 2016, 16 is when that kind of started to go even worse. And me and my ex separated. And then, uh, Erica was somebody that I had still been friends with for a while and her and her ex had just separated too. So we kind of chatted and leaned on each other a little bit. And then, and then one night uh, out at a show, uh, I had not had a chance to eat or drink anything all day. I was stuck at the booth all day. Um, didn't have any sleep the night before. So I know I was exhausted and had nothing in my, no food in my body. She brought me a peach to eat. eat so that was all I had to eat all day. So after the sh- after the the event closed, she asked me if I wanted to go up, up go to the bar and grab a drink. And I was like, yes, absolutely. So we went up and I got and this is ridiculous. I used to like I don't drink anymore, but when I did, like I dr- I could drink a lot without getting even a buzz and a ridiculous tolerance and probably why I got in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> but but uh no, so I I went up and we sat at the bar and I had a tall like cider. You got white. I got a heart. I had two hard hard ciders and was trashed from that because (laughs) I was just embarrassingly trashed from what shouldn't have even registered in my body. And uh, and she was like, "We should go for a walk." And then we did. And while we were out walking, I completely just like opened up and admitted that I've been in love with it. Like I had a crush on her forever and all this other stuff. And then she told me the same thing and I don't remember any of it and was a total douche because I was wasted and then I tried to like give her a kiss and she wouldn't want to because I was drunk and a total idiot yeah so then the next day we were out at the zoo and doing stuff with the event um and she was hanging out with me but something was really weird and I didn't know why and then we went out to we were at dinner and I'm like what's why aren't you talking to me and then she told me the whole story and I just felt like a total douche yeah because I yelled at you that you were in the middle of a in the, in the middle of a restaurant, restaurant. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's something that most people wouldn't know about you? I don't have a belly button. Damn it. <laughs> I was born with what's called a gastroschisis, where basically if you took like a, a knitting needle and you stuck it into me as a baby and pulled my intestines out of a hole and made a little loop and they went back in, then they were on the outside of me. That's how I was born. So, um, so they had they, to put it all back in. Yeah, so they had to yeah. cut me open from my rib cage down to my belly button. Yeah. all back in, and then they pulled my muscles to the side. And when I was three, they actually went in and reconstructed my whole everything again. Um, yeah. So they have a, I have a scar down my stomach from my rib cage to my belly button. And the belly button, they kind of tried to reconstruct. Yeah, it didn't work. But I really don't have one. And then I have a scar in the side of my, on my side from them having a, a feeding tube during that surgery that looks like a belly button. But it's. <laughs> Yeah, it just looks like my belly button's coming out of the side, and I got gutted in a like knife fight. But that's and that's basically what I tell people is this was really I'm just that hardcore. This was a knife fight. Walked my ass all the way to the hospital. No big deal. But yeah, no, that's that's something I don't think I've ever said on a podcast before ever. 
Nope. Well, cool. Awesome. Glad to be the first. What okay, about you? Erica? What about you? Yeah. I don't think I can beat that. They probably can't, but you got some good stuff. Let's see. Let's say, um, I have broken both elbows like year after year. So oh. I actually had an elbow reconstructed. That was pretty awesome. Um, because my I fell off, I ran off your retention wall. Um, it was in the dark and we were doing a night hike and one of my girlfriends took off running, so I was like, Oh, I'll follow her. And ran I got ahead of her and ran right off the retention wall. And then she went right behind me and fell on top of me. And she had like some nasty road rash from where she hit, and then like I broke my elbow, and or no, this elbow, and then this elbow I broke when I was on the phone, um, standing on a basketball because I was doing like soccer drills, but in my room like an idiot, and with a basketball because idiot, um, and I was on the phone while doing it because. And I started laughing and fell backwards off the basketball and caught myself like this instead of letting go of the phone to brace myself. I went like this and I heard a crack and I was like, oh God, I'm like, Cece, I got to call you back. And I hung up the phone. I went out to the kitchen and I remember telling my mom, like, mom, I'm so sorry. I broke the floor. And she's like, what do you mean? Broke the floor. And I told her I fell off a basketball and I heard a loud crack. I broke the floor. She goes, we have a concrete slab and I'm like, Oh, and then all the pain started coming through and just rushing over. And she's like, we're going to the hospital. I broke my radial head off. This is the story you get while I say, honey, I think we should get you a helmet or a giant bubble. I'm understanding the comment a little bit more now. <laughs> I like the whole time you were telling that story, I was just so amazed. I was like, how did you not feel any of this? Like you must must have like superpowers that you don't feel any of this. Adrenaline. I didn't feel until after either. Yeah, she's, she's there's a little, yeah, there's a, a pain delay more, but she's also very, it's very much the like when I fell out of the attic, her, even though she spent about 10 seconds unconscious and didn't know that, mm -hmm. um, she still, as soon as she came to, checked on me immediately. And that's how she is, even as like a CBT situations and things like that. She's very much she like if an airplane was going down, everyone would have their mask on before her and she would walk around and make sure. That's like when the guy got hit by a car and I held his because uh, he had, was bleeding from his head. So I was holding pressure on his head and holding that part together because he got up a little bit. But I was holding that and trying to like talk to him like, don't move, don't move all this up until the emergency paramedics got there. And I had run from my car to him with a broken foot. Oh. And then I got home. Honey! <laughs> okay, so now I've got a question. How many things have you broken in your body? Because now I'm really curious. <laughs> my tailbone. That sucked. Oh, my God. I bet that did. Yep. I was, uh, I was young. I was swinging in a ball pit. And... It was a foam pit because it was at a gymnastics place. It was a foam pit. And I like let go of the rope and I went down and I found the one piece of wood in the entire thing and went pow right there and cracked right my toxics. I couldn't even get out of the ball pit. My cousins had to help me get out of the ball pit. It was so bad. Oh, and it broke my ribs at a that's Texas party because I hit a fence. 
I'm just saying, like, when you meet her and you look you at her and she's this, and you're just like, she's so beautiful and she's so <laughs> together and just sweet. And that's it. No, she's like a human wrecking ball. So what did you, Erica, what did you want to do when you grew up? God, I wanted to be a Disney animator. Really? That was oh, my goal. I was going to be a Disney animator because well, it was like, during the 90s when... Toy Story. And yeah, like Lion no, it was King, like, Lion King. It was like Lion, Lion King. King and Aladdin mm -hmm. and all that stuff was coming out because they were still hand-drawing and everything. I wanted hardcore to be a Disney animator. Like, that was my goal. And then as I got to the age of being able to go to college for it, it was all becoming digital. And I don't have an interest in digital art, like, at all. So I was like, well, you know, I can't do that. And I was like, well, I'll be an illustrator. I will illustrate and run a reptile sanctuary at the same time. I'll make so much money after being an illustrator. And then I actually talked to illustrators and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took my love of um, animals because I had worked at a nature center for uh, most of my youth. And I took that love and became a certified veterinary technician instead. But no, my main goal in life was to become a Disney animator or illustrator and what about you ryan surprisingly i actually at some point in my life had that exact same thing because i also used to draw and do a lot of art i went to engineering school which basically goes no we don't art we math <laughs> right so so i kind of haven't my art side has been you know a while since i did anything with it but um, I'm getting the chip. but no i uh i wanted to be a vet at one point i, I think i kind of wanted to be something to do with animals zookeeper something like that um and then when i got into high school um i realized that uh, I really liked engineering. They're good. I really, I really liked engineering and uh, design. And my grandpa was a contractor and built really amazing houses. Um, he actually built a couple of Frank Lloyd Wright design houses. Um, wow. Super cool. And when I was a kid, I used to go on the job sites with him and help him. I helped build these houses. And uh, so I always loved it. And I realized in high school that if I went into a career with animals, that 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 would be my whole life. And I didn't, I kind of started to see with people I knew that turned their passion into their job that it's, it doesn't matter how much you love it. It's still your livelihood and your ability to feed your kids and pay your bills relies on it. So there's still, it turns your hobby into a stress yeah. and I didn't want to do that. So I decided to lean more on the engineering side and go or like architecture and design and building. And I went to school for engineering um, and then just kept this as a hobby on the side. So yeah, I actually... How I ended up in reptiles, like professionally, is super weird because I have a master's in engineering, designing wastewater treatment plants. Yeah, Nothing if you ever want a good time, walk through any kind of like a mall or anything, you'll see them go. That's some sexy duct work. <laughs> but no, so yeah, so I went to, um, I ended up going to the Milwaukee School of Engineering, got uh, with my bachelor's in HVAC plumbing and fire protection design and architectural engineering, and then got a master's in wastewater treatment. And then, uh, and kind of liked that because I was looking more at the green aspect of it, of recycled water systems. And then uh, started the Herb Society. And through that, um, actually built up a name in just the community and the reptile community of stuff and working with US Arc and doing all that stuff locally. So Zilla, I knew people that worked there um, and they actually kind of headhunted me and reached out to me to work with that. That's, that, that was a total left turn for me to go actually end up into the <laughs> now. So, yeah, it's kind of weird how I ended up here. But now you wouldn't go back for anything, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I want. it was kind of a cool opportunity because it, it allowed me to get into the industry and have an impact without 
my job being animals. So I could still come home and appreciate my animals and feed them and take care of them. And it wasn't more work. Um, I think but, she meant the engineering. You would go back to engineering. Oh, yeah. No, like even, but yeah, no, now being in this side, like I still actually utilize a lot of my engineering. So, I mean, we still have the books. It, well, all of all HVAC plumbing and fire protection is is basically thermal transfer and water flow. And, and a wastewater treatment plant is just a giant fish filter. Yep. So it all actually, so I just have an, like a, even down to the microbiology understanding of how that stuff works, which ended up now that I'm making products to do things like that, I'm still utilizing that degree, even though it's totally in a different obscure way. What about your first jobs? My first. You're a stripper. Well, yeah, no. Uh, otherwise, well, I have to pay people to see that. I don't, I don't, I don't make enough money. Um, oh, that's because you have bad taste in men. Um, so, <laughs> he likes fat bald guys, so I fell into that that cookie cutter mold. See what? And where does Bruce Campbell fall? Because. Okay, sorry, fat bald guys and G-list actors. <gasps> He's not a G-list actor. <laughs> oh, we're You're right, G-list would be an upgrade. Anyway. Ryan! <laughs> I actually like him. I just like giving her crap because she gets all upset about it. Bruce I was like, all the wonderful <laughs> things you said about her at NARBC Arlington. I've been so excited to actually talk oh. to her and meet her. And then I love it that you're just giving her hell right now. He talks you up yeah. so great. He has nothing but wonderful, amazing things to say about you. It's hey, I that and she doesn't believe me <laughs> right from the mouth. Oh, no, he really did. <laughs> I was super excited to talk to you. So You're kind of, you're cool. You're kind of a big deal. What were we talking about? Your oh, first, job. Just, first job. Yeah, first job. All right. So my first actual job, because I've never been a stripper, because don't have the I don't have the goods for that. Um, but my first actual job was uh, I, like in eighth grade, started doing yard work for people, and actually spent an entire summer redoing the landscaping as a twelve-year-old or a fourteen-year-old of this guy on the river's entire house. Um, <laughs> and then, like, first actual like real corporate, I guess, job was I worked at Subway in high school. I was nothing too crazy. You used to love the cookies. Yeah, you mm -hmm. of course. You just melt them, and then you take them out when they're kind of melted and gooey. Mm -hmm. Every time you pass a subway, I hear about the amazing cookie. No, no, no. You just when you work when you work at a restaurant, you know all of the fun, cool crap that you can eat. It's way more delicious than delicious than what's available. And I knew those things. And yeah, but that was when I was super cool back at Subway in high school when I was like really baller, you know. Um, mine was actually the Grove. So the Grove in Glenview is a natural historic landmark. And so I got paid to dress up in 1800s wear, early 1900s wear, and also do um, work for uh, with the animals, so animal care. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I got to do the Civil War ball, so I got to learn how to do like the Virginia Reel and all that stuff. And and she's a big history nerd, so like all of that is right up her alley. Mm -hmm. All the dressing up would have been awesome. Oh, it was great, except for when it's like super hot out, and then you're still wearing like yeah. this really thick like clothes. You're like, oh my god. Um, but we used to like I love when we would do the Civil War reenactment because they didn't have enough uh, Union soldiers. And so you would see them like pop up, get shot, and then like 
crawl to like another location, like pop up again. <laughs> so do you guys, you you travel like you go on vacation to do herping stuff. Do you do you like to travel in general? At some point, I'm sure we will travel for like actual relaxation. But most of our travel now is either work or herping trips. And that's like kind of our get out of town and just go breathe for a bit. Cause yeah, but no, we're it's taking some, our honeymoon for the first, like we're taking our honeymoon in September after being married for, I'll buy that. It'll be almost three years. Yeah. Except at the same time, it's, we're not, and we're working it. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a honeymoon as much as we're going to Indonesia to sleep in the jungle and crap in the woods and, Eat rats. Oh, I wish you would stop saying that. Part. It's literally gonna happen. You just really need to get ready for it because there's. <laughs> She's like, no. There's not even after we leave the first of four islands. There's not even hotels after that. Right? I don't care about the hotel. It's no, just no, I the, mean, the pooping like, in a hole. So where have you been? Um, the furthest I've gone from the states is Canada, which had no moose. And hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Erica loves moose. She is very, 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 very determined to see a moose in wow. real life. So we went to the Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo in Toronto, mm -hmm. in Toronto, near the airport, in the city. I didn't know. Like being at O'Hara in Chicago. Like, and we're driving around and she was, by the time we got, we flew home, she was like, I'm so disappointed. We didn't see one moose. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like driving in downtown Chicago and be like, where are the bears? Right. There's no bears here. <laughs> I was pissed. Yeah. She's like, there's obviously no moose in Canada. I'm like, or in the major municipal cities downtown, there's no moose. <laughs> I don't know. You always hear these stories about Canada, like, and wild moose everywhere. And then, like, I just assume, like, we cross the border and it's like Mountieville. But, like, nobody came in for a beer that day. Sorry, Erica. <laughs> it was not a Mountieville kind of situation. I was really upset. Yeah, she's um, like, when you come over here, it's just like being, it's like normal, real life. It's like being in Michigan. And he's like, yeah, because Michigan's like two hours that way. <laughs> like when you go to right? a country, it's not like we go to Canada and it looks like the Middle East. I expected it to smell like maple syrup. Yeah, like there should have been lines on the ground. The color of the ground should have been different because that's how it looks on the map. Travelways, <laughs> I'm kind of boring too. Like most of my stuff's been inside the U.S. And then when I was a kid... My grandma got conned into a timeshare in the Bahamas. So, like all of my family paid for her to go down. And then uh, we were, I was, we, me and my family were pretty, we were very, very low income. Um, mm -hmm. So as part of for my grandma, she brought us with me and my mom and sister and cousin. So we got to go down there, but I was like 13. So I didn't really get to appreciate it as much, but I, you know, got there. Um, but no, that's that's one thing we've been pushing a lot more this year. We've planned out a lot, trying to plan out getting out of the country. Oh yeah, we were going to start planning more, you know, but COVID. Um, but yeah, now as things are loosening up, we're starting to plan like actual vacations with the kids and trying to get out of town. But like everything's just always been work, 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 go, go, go. So now kind of having our own business and, and stuff is allowing us to be a little bit more flexible and start to really pay attention to the things that I think get kind of lost in the background when you get really busy. So let's be more flexible. Right. Well, and then the other thing too is we with our animal collection. This is something that we were at the Gecko Symposium uh, at the Tinley Park Expo at the Tinley Park Show in 2019. That was the the show I proposed at, and the symposium was before the show. It was on Thursday night or Friday night. I can't remember. One of the speakers was talking about how 
how much going around the world and seeing these animals in the wild has changed his view on the animals, his husbandry, just everything and how he sees these animals in captivity. And I was like, and then he made the point of like, you know how much it would make a big difference of instead of maybe buying that $4,000 pair of lychees, why not spend that money and go see them and actually understand their habitat? Oh, and live and oh go my gosh, them. that'd be awesome. Right. So like he said that and it stuck with me. I was like, you know what? We have the collection of really everything we want to work with. Now it's time to go see it and start learning how to do better in captivity and start going and monitoring, like actually going in um, with that trip to, to, uh, to South Pacific in the fall. We're actually looking at possibly having a document uh, a production film crew with us. Um, with some other people that are coming with and we might do a documentary on the, the animals that we're looking for in out there and actually really dig into like the dirt and the habitat and what it looks like and how they utilize it and where they live and climb up palm trees and dig around and find them and all of that stuff so that we can really get like a i think we all have from from here we have this beautiful idea of what the jungles look like and 99 percent of the time we're so wrong and have no clue what anything looks like outside of where we live. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be kind of cool. We're going to spend a lot more time in the next, you know, decade doing a lot more traveling and going to see all those animals and find them. And yeah, that's become a lot more of a, uh, a big goal for us for the moving forward. And then also doing more family trips and stuff like that. Not always herping trips, even though I asked the kids, I said, all right, we can go to Florida. There's two trips that we can do. One, we go to universal and Disney and we do all the, the Florida, you know, Orlando touristy thing, or we go to Florida and we go hit up all the zoos and all the people that me and Erica know, and we go play with everything and go out in the Everglades and stuff. And all of our kids were like, yeah, no, no Disney. Let's go play with alligators. So what was your favorite find? Like when you're out herping, I guess so far. So like the black bear. Yeah, she was on the other side of a tree and some shrubs from a black bear and didn't realize it until she could see its fur and probably reach through the brush and touch it. Wow. No, she warned me. Yeah. <laughs> but no, That's I think, pretty cool. I, I oh, found a lot. And the woodcocks. When Ann and I found the woodcock, we found a mom woodcock and then all the little baby woodcocks. And they're like, they're like hopping around. And oh my God, they're so it's cute. It's kind of like a little North American kiwi looking thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, notice how all of her field herping finds that she was most excited about aren't herps. Oh, that would uh, totally be me. <laughs> I got to see that you didn't. Oh yeah, she got to see a siren in Florida. I didn't get to see it because I was trying to make sure that the Jeep didn't actually go underwater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we were driving, we, we were, where were we? We were in, we were outside of, uh, I can't remember. We were on the, the Gulf Coast of Florida like mm -hmm. Fort something is down there. I can't remember. Uh, Fort Myers. That's where we were at. Outside of Fort Myers. And uh, we were down there for Crockfest. So we decided to go out road cruising. And when I got there to rent a car, they were like, here's a like Toyota Corolla. And I'm like, I'm going to need something that can go a little bit more off-road than that. So they had like, we have a Jeep. And I'm like, perfect. So I grabbed the Jeep. And we first night we went out, we went, we found some areas where there was all these channels and we were driving around in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, <laughs> and I, we found this, park this national park state park it was legal to drive it was in. legal to drive in and they had some flooding so not all of the roads were accessible so we were driving down one and she was sitting up on the jeep we took the tops off and she was sitting up there looking around and a huge flashlight and had all the brights on and stuff 
So she's looking in the water along the side, and I'm driving in the – and then it kind of comes down into the water. I'm like, okay, I can drive. It's a Jeep. I got some clearance. So I'm going, and it just keeps getting deeper. And I'm like, all right. So I rolled down the window and looked outside, and I'm like, okay, I don't hear it bubbling at the exhaust, so I've still got some room. And I keep going. So she's just shining, and she's like, look at all the alligator and the crocodile eyes. And she's like, oh, and there's a the one. There's all this cool stuff. And I'm driving in the Jeep. With my head right out the window. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I've got about an inch of clearance before the water starts coming in the car. So I'm going to pay attention to that instead of you. Um, <laughs> can you guide us back to land? Because we seem to be nowhere near land. Yeah. So yeah, we ended up kind of in the middle of nowhere there. But uh, yeah, so she got to see that a siren. Good. I didn't because I was focusing on not sinking the rental into a swamp. <laughs> um, That's great. They, I found a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I uh, in in two uh, outside of Phoenix, I found uh, we were with some friends. And we do a field herping. We do I do a couple field herping trips with friends each year. And um, one time we were out and we found a, a neat like bright pink and orange speckled rattlesnake, one of the prettiest ones I've ever seen. You found a few I found when you got stuck. Yeah, in I got stuck in the desert two hours outside of Phoenix with Chad Gaines because he thought that his wife's uh, Ford Focus was a dune buggy, and he got us stuck in the way in the desert. Two hours outside of civilization, and uh, we ended up having to walk about a mile up a hi- up this hill to try and get reception to call her at two o'clock in the morning and have her c- message every person on Facebook that I was friends with that lived in Phoenix. Thank you, Jill Ryle. Yeah, thank you, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> her, her boyfriend Michael for coming out at two o'clock in the morning to pull me and Chad out of a sand dune. Uh, and on the way out, we saw a Gila monster, so it ended up being not as big of a deal getting trapped in the desert. Actually, me and another friend from the Herp Society, we actually uh, were the first ones to re or to find a western worm snake in the state of Wisconsin in 20 years. So that was really cool. Um, oh, yeah. No, we, <laughs> the house again. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah, we were looking. We, I went out to a spot where they, I knew they were and they'd been seen. And I had a friend who spent about 40 hours out there one summer trying to find one. I went out and in 45 minutes, we flipped one. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome to be he's able to find oh yeah he's still salty so how many snakes are there in wisconsin like i don't know i know nothing about native yeah. reptiles yeah, up in wisconsin between reptiles and amphibians i want to say it's like 55 to 56 species but we do have some super cool species and a ton of salamanders up here which is pretty cool the timbers are really pretty the timber rattlesnakes in wisconsin are i'm a little biased but i'm not lying they're orange they're prettier than probably anywhere else in their entire range you can find them. Other than like find, the black ones in the North Sea. Where do we find those really pretty copperheads? Uh, up north of Arlington. Yeah. Now you that was lot, a, And lots and lots of those. Well, there's a spot. So at the, every time I do the show, I try and find mm-hmm. a spot to go road cruise or whatever. Um, and I found a spot north of Anna, like almost by the like Oklahoma border. There's a bunch yeah. of books up there. So I went up there and was like cruising around, and I found a spot where the broadbands look like Transpecos. Like, they're crazy red and orange. Oh, yeah. And they're only like that in this area. Because So I took her out there once. I was like, you got to come see them. They're super, super cool. Some of the prettiest ones I've ever seen. So we're out there driving, and we find a park on like six that night, from babies to like adults. And she's like, okay, they're cool. But she's never that was the first time she got to find copperheads in a while. And uh, <laughs> she's like, they're cool. And she liked them, but she didn't see what the big deal was. And then as we were leaving, go back, I was cruising back, and she decided to sleep on the way back because it was late. And, of course, going down the highway, I saw a snake on the side of the road, slammed on the brakes, and moved over because I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was like a prairie king or something. probably one of my concussions. It could have been one of her concussions. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I think it was like a pranking or something. Like, I want to go back and see. So we jumped out, ran back. I didn't see anything. I'm like, screw it. She went like 10 more feet. And she's like, no, it's a copperhead. It's right here. So I'm like, okay. So I went, went and looked at it. And she looked at it. She looks at me. And she goes, what's wrong with it? Yeah. What do you mean? Because it was a normal beige and tan copperhead. She's like, she's like, is it sick or old? And I'm like, no, this is what a broadband copperhead looks like. Yeah. Like, this, now, like, do you understand why the ones we found were cool yet? And she's like, oh, oh, those were really pretty. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, up here, venomous wise, we only have uh, eastern massasaugas, which are critically endangered, and you just don't find them unless you go to specific spots you know they're at, um, and then the timber rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. But And then way down in southern Illinois, you get copperheads or cottonmouth, but that's like the very bottom tip. Yeah. Why don't you guys tell us how to get a hold of you? Yeah, so if you want to get a hold of me or Erica, you can find us on Instagram, uh, uh, Herptile Mom and Herptile Dad. And you can find VivTech products on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find us on Facebook. And I'm pretty sure everything short of smoke signals you can find us. Yeah, you can just Google our names and you'll find 19 different ways to call us. Erica, it was great to meet you. <laughs> now, we just, you guys. now we just got to drag her down with me for the next one. She was going to come this time. Absolutely. And last minute had to stay because she had a friend that got sick with COVID and needed to go help. But so we'll be planning September to bring her down because we got to go find the copperheads again. Well, thank you all so very okay. much. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. It was fun to mm -hmm. just chat and not talk really tons about reptiles, just whatever. Yeah, it's it's fun to talk about something else sometimes. Just have adult yeah. conversations that don't have to do with reptiles. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you get kids or reptiles and that's it. And you're like, sometimes yeah. I just want to talk to normal people. <laughs> well, yeah. Anything else for like yeah. a little. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for joining us this evening on the In Blue podcast on the Reptile Gumbo Network. Y'all take care.